0: One day, I I fooled around and started thinking about it, that for eight hours, I'm oblivious to what's going on around me. Hmm? When you think about it, you have absolutely no clue. Noises go on in the night that don't wake you up, you just sleep. You know, sleeping requires faith. People who worry don't sleep well, because worry steals from your faith. We're trying to figure out stuff that the Almighty has already figured out. (laughs) Shalom, saints, and welcome to our verse-by-verse study of the Gospel According to Matthew. I'm your host and teacher, Arthur Bailey. Yeshua's disciples followed him not fully knowing or understanding they had been recruited personally by him into the kingdom of heaven's boot camp to be trained and prepared for kingdom warfare as kingdom citizens. For several months, they had followed Yeshua, listening to the messages he taught the masses. They saw firsthand the miraculous demonstrations of the power of the Holy Spirit manifesting through Yeshua. Now, they were about to be sent out to demonstrate what they had been trained and prepared for. Yeshua expresses his expectations and instructs his disciples to do warfare as they were trained. Yeshua expects his disciples then and now to be prepared to exercise the training they received. The message titled in this podcast is The Disciples Boot Camp Part 2. So, let's study. As I started last week's teaching, before Yeshua sent out his disciples, and here's another reason why I'm so pleased, blessed, honored, happy that all of this is coming together during this time that we're together, because I'm hoping, as with every feast when we come together, that you be armed as you go back into your respected places. It would be a tragedy for us to come and have such great time together and to learn And then not take the things that Father is specifically speaking to us, apply them into our lives so that we can go forward as conquerors in Messiah. Amen? And so this particular teaching on basic battle training, let's start there with demonstrations. Because I gave to you, before Yeshua sent his disciples out, they had already learned. He had already been training them. From the time he began the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and all the teachings in Matthew chapter 5, we saw in Matthew chapter 4 that a large multitude of people were following him. People from the Decapolis, people from the other side of the Jordan, people from the Galilee, people from Judea. And these were people who had come from a variety of places, and not all of them were Hebrew people. They'd come from different parts of the country. and so. The demonstrations they had witnessed and the training they had received is they had heard several messages Yeshua taught on the kingdom. Understand something, and I explained some of this uh, last week and before, that when it comes down to the gospel of the kingdom, one of the things that make it so difficult to put in a nutshell is the gospel of the kingdom is all the teachings that Yeshua did. Yeshua dealt with every aspect of our lives and showing us that if you're going to be a kingdom-minded citizen, then here's how you are to apply his word in your marriage, in your relationship with one another, in your finances, in your walk in your evangelism, in your disciple being discipled, as it relates to communicating to your neighbors and everybody that you come in communications with. And so it affects us in every aspect. You know, he taught them, you know, about worry and about fear and false prophets and how to recognize false teachings and all kinds of things that the disciples were being trained in. So they had heard several kingdom messages. They had heard the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. They had witnessed Yeshua heal all manner of sicknesses, diseases, and the demon possessed. They had witnessed and heard Yeshua's declaration about the faith of the centurion. And, you know, that was one of those moments where I've seen several times, I've heard and read several times. But Yeshua compared a Roman soldier, faith, and said that this heathen, this Roman soldier, Soldier who didn't have the teachings of the Torah. The Roman soldier didn't go to the synagogues. He hadn't been been trained or taught in the synagogues. The Roman soldier wasn't going up to the feasts. But this Roman soldier had a faith that Yeshua says, during the entire time of his ministry and all of the travel he had been over Israel, he had not found such great faith in all of Israel simply because this Roman soldier was a military man and he understood what it meant to be under authority. So I'm going to tell you something. You will never walk in the authority that the Messiah has made available to us unless we understand how to submit to authority. You can't walk in authority if you're not submitted to authority. Who's going to listen to you if you're so hard-headed? And you'll find that hard-headed parents have hard-headed children. (laughs) It's like, okay, I'm going to give you you back to you and let you figure this out. That's exactly what he do. He give us children that are just like us. And you'll notice that the ones you have the most challenge with is the one who's most like you. There's something there. (laughs) So they had witnessed this great faith or being proclaimed about this centurion. They had witnessed the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and many more healings and deliverance. They had witnessed Yeshua's authority over the elements when he calmed the storm. They had witnessed the deliverance of legion. This was the man in one place, it says it was one, and another gospel says it was two, but a legion was over 5,000 people. And so it was like this man had over 5,000 demonic spirits operating in him that Yeshua calls to go into, into the swine, and the swine was driven into the lake. They had witnessed the raising of Jairus' daughter from the dead. They saw Yeshua's confrontation with the scribes and heard What he thought about the Pharisees who accused him of casting out devils by the prince of the devils. They had witnessed the two blind men being healed. And then here's where she lays out the combat strategies. They had been taught how to pray. I'm going to tell you, one of your greatest weapons is prayer. The Bible says we are to pray without ceasing. And here's where I've made several comparisons as we go through these teachings of things that the Bible teaches and things that we are taught in church. I remember way back in the 80s, in the, the 90s, the early 90s is when it happened. But Larry Lee was a guy who had a ministry, was a well-known big ministry. And, and he wrote a book in the 90s called Can You Not Tarry With Me One Hour? And from that book, most churches, many churches that I'd been a part of, and I saw it on Christian TV, on TBN and all the major networks, you know, they were encouraging their people to spend an hour each day in prayer. And people, some people were doing it and others had, they struggled with spending an hour a day In prayer, And people would be going around talking about, yeah, I got my hour in. I got my hour in. And they they pulled it from what Yeshua was saying to his disciples when he went into the garden. Now, the reality is, is that people would spend an hour in prayer and oftentimes forget what they prayed about during that hour. Not to mention the fact that if I've spent an hour in prayer the day, then my prayer time is up. How does that compare with praying without ceasing? You see, prayer is our communion with the Almighty. When you pray, it is supposed to be you communing with him and him communing with you. You listening to him, you talking to him, and him talking to you. Not to mention the fact that the steps of the righteous is going to be ordered. When are they ordered? How are they ordered? The steps of the righteous are ordered when we, the righteous, How do we become righteous? Seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of Jehovah, and his righteousness. And if the steps of the righteous is gonna be ordered, then we have to be in tune with the Almighty so he can order our steps. How does he order our steps? He speak to us. He speak to us. When? During prayer time or during communion time? You see, when I speak to you about communion, Where do your mind go religiously? Crackers and grape juice. That's your idea of communion. Communion is what we're doing right now. We're communing. Communing is a community of people who come together as a community in the presence of the Almighty. And now we are communing. This is a communion. When you leave this place and you are with the Almighty, you're communing with him. Hopefully, you don't leave him in your prayer closet. A lot of people leave him in the prayer closet. You see, and hopefully, we are not that people. We are to commune with him all day, every day, listening, acknowledging him, allowing him to direct our path. You see, they had been taught how to fast. I remember before I come into the Messianic faith, man, we would fast, seven-day fast, three-day fast, 21-day fast. We just fast to fast. Always seeking the Almighty in the fast, fasting and praying. Coming into the Messianic faith, all that got reduced to one day, Day of Atonement. And then people question, why are we fasting on the Day of Atonement? You see, people who have a hard time fasting has already made their belly a God. Fasting causes you to resist the worship of the belly. And you'll notice that when you do fast and resist the worship of the belly, you're not getting all obese-like. Because I remember, man, when I, when I came out of the church and started doing the messianic thing, that's when I started growing. And I'm not talking about growing in spirit. Start growing in girth you see <laughs> and all this fellowship we were having man every week we were bringing food galore we set up it here and, and I had to learn how to stop letting people fix my plate stop letting people serve me food because you know when other folks fix your plate they think you eat like maybe they do i don't know but anyway fasting is something a believer should do to help bring the body under and the spirit closer to the Almighty. You'll find that happens when you deny yourself. They have been warned of false prophets and told how to recognize them. And Messiah is going to deal a lot with his disciples in the arena of false teachings and false prophets. Why? Because they were surrounded by them. Remember, before Yeshua came, religion was strong in Israel. They had synagogues in all the cities. They had rabbis all over the place. They had priests, scribes, they had the temple. They had all manner of Pharisees in the marketplace, in the street corners with long seat seats praying and demonstrating their piety. So religion was firmly established during the time of Messiah, but the problem is is that they had the Torah, but they were teaching traditions that made the Torah of no effect. And what religion does, brothers and sisters, is that it takes you from under the Almighty and brings you under the tradition. Whether it be a Baptist tradition, a Pentecostal tradition, a Church of God in Christ tradition, what happens is that you become locked into a particular doctrine, a way of thinking, a statement type of faith that is in opposition to the people who have a different kind of faith. And the folks who become your enemies, your arch nemeses, are people who are part of other denominations who are reading from the same Bible book you're reading from, who claim to have the same Elohim that you have who seem to be praying to the same Yehua, uh, Lord God that you pray to. And it's amazing how religion puts us in these different camps that causes us to be in opposition with one another instead of identifying the fruit of the people who are in like. See, just because you're in a denomination with other people don't mean you're like-minded. That's mean you're all drinking the same Kool-Aid. Don't make you like-minded. The way you know you're like-minded with people is when you see them adhering to the word of Jehovah in a similar way that you do. And do you know there are people out there who are like that that are not in here. They have a love for the Almighty just like you have a love for the Almighty that may be in in another congregation or another assembly. And just because somebody called themselves messianic or Hebrew roots don't mean that they're like-minded with you. You'll know them how? By their fruit. People want to give you a lot of lip service. People dress the outside up, but inside they're like dead men bones. And we can't be focused on what is the facade. We have to be able to discern the spirit. Discerning the spirit is a gift that the Almighty gives us so that we can identify the spirit of the person. And when they start talking, we can discern and test that spirit to see where those words that is coming out of their vessels is coming from, whether or not they're in tune with his word, if you know his word. That's how you test the spirit. They've been taught how to judge. Righteously. They've been taught how to ask, how to seek, how to knock. And then here's these rest and relaxation techniques. They've been taught not to worry. See, worry will eat you alive. And the sad thing about it is you can't change nothing. All you can do is worry about it. Why? As if worrying is gonna change it. It changes you. And you know how worrying changes you? It makes you faithless. The more you worry, the less faith you operate in. They had been told or taught not to worry in how to seek the kingdom of Jehovah and his righteousness. They had been told they were the salt of the earth and the light of the world. They had been informed of the cost that was required and they knew the harvest was plentiful. The labors were few and that they were being sent into a plentiful harvest to reap the souls that would receive them. And they'd been taught how to cast the dust off their feet of those who would not accept what they had to say. So boot camp, as we'll state, is a commitment. Boot camp is a basic training. Boot camp is discipleship. And that's where I put that plug, discipleship101.tv. Discipleship is available to everybody, and it's free. It's free. It doesn't cost you nothing but time. We put it together, made it available. And so verse 16 Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, we covered verses 1 through 15 last week. And here he goes again. Yeshua is saying, listen, I'm sending you out there among wolves. Understand this. And notice the actual terminology. I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Where did he tell him to go? He told him to go to the lost sheep of Israel. He told him where not to go. So everywhere they were going, they were going amongst their people, the lost sheep of Israel. And what is he saying about the sheep of Israel? Their wolves. I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. I said last week, Yeshua didn't come to build on Judaism. I'm hearing these messianic teachers and preachers and they're talking about Judaism and how the Torah is Judaism and how Yeshua came to establish true Judaism. And it's like Judaism is the religion of the Jews. Yeshua didn't come to build on that. The people had that. Yeshua came to teach them about the kingdom and the kingdom had never been taught before. He didn't come to mix what he was doing with the Pharisees or the Sadducees. In fact, he told his disciples, beware of them. Beware of the scribes, the teachers of the law. Why should I beware of the teachers of the law? Because they got it twisted. These are some twisted people who have twisted the word to work for them. And this is what a lot of denominations have done. The word works for the leaders, especially tithing. It works for those on top. It works for the networks because they're continually greasing their palms, one another's palms, to climb the ranks of their denominations for some title. And now they're the second bishop of the third district in the 23rd precinct, archbishop. Got all these bishops with people who are required to, well, you know how it goes for those of you who've been part of these these organizations. They've learned how to keep the people in bondage. And this is why when somebody comes that appears to be looking to steal their sheep, it's like, you all ain't my sheep. (laughs) I'm in the same pasture y'all in. There's only one shepherd in the sense of the good shepherd, that's Messiah. He is the good shepherd. And the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers' responsibility is to connect the people with him, not to them. You and I are supposed to be learning how to connect to him because Apostle Bailey, Dr. Bailey, Pastor Bailey, Elder Bailey, Leader Bailey, Arthur Bailey, whatever you want to call him, is not here to lead you. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But you got to get connected to the Holy Spirit so that he can lead you. The job of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers is to equip, to perfect, to help you so you're no longer being tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. This week, you're celebrating the Sabbath on the Saturday. Next week, you're celebrating the Sabbath on the Wednesday. Next week, you're celebrating the feast. I mean, you know, all these different calendars, all these different days, all these different doctrines. All that stuff is confusing. But the true shepherd is not confused. And what you'll find is you find people who are bringing all this stuff in from wherever they're getting it from because they hide their books. They don't want you to see their books. Because they want you to think they wise, like they got the wisdom to teach, not telling you that they're reading Jewish manuscripts, coming up with all these traditions. And I know that no matter how much I hit on them, folks like that stuff and they're going to do it. And that's on them. See, this is the beauty of knowing what you're called to. That means that I'm not going to lose sleep because you don't want to listen. I'm going home tonight. I'm going to give me a good night's sleep, just like I did last night, Father Terry. If you don't want to listen, I can tell you, brothers and sisters, I've counseled so many people, and they go out and do the opposite, and they want to come back for more counsel because it didn't work. It's like, what am I supposed to do? If you don't follow the instructions of the leader, then you get what you got coming, because I got to follow the same stuff. There's not a different set of rules for me than it is for you. I got to listen to the Messiah just like you got to listen to the Messiah. And the more I can help you make that connection, the less you become dependent on me, and the more you can help other people make that connection without them becoming dependent on you. That's the whole process of discipleship. He says, I'm sending you forth the sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Know where I'm sending you. Yeshua had identified the false prophets as wolves in sheep's clothing earlier. He says, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Well, I don't have to guess about that. Why? Because when he told them he was sending them as sheep among wolves, he'd already talked to them about who were the wolves. But not just that, we're going to see that we've got descriptions of wolves prior to the New Testament. He says, beware false prophets, Matthew 7.15, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes or thorns or figs or thistles? Of thistles? No. So he's giving them an illustration. Here's what Ezekiel prophesied. And I can imagine if these individuals knew anything about the prophets, which they did because they didn't have a New Testament, they didn't have it. So when Yeshua mentioned wolves in chapter 7, that wasn't the first time they had heard about them. And where was he sending them? Amongst his own people. People who went to the synagogues. People who went to the temples. The scribes. The teachers of the law. The people who were Pharisees and Sadducees. He said, listen, you're surrounded by wolves and I'm sending you right in the middle of them. So beware of them. Know what they look like. How you going to know them? They're fruit. Ezekiel said, son of man, say unto her, Jerusalem, that's the her there, thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion. And see, when the word comes, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Understand something. The devil is an entity. is a spirit. The devil is a spirit. The devil cannot mess with you without some form of human interaction. If he can lodge a fiery dart in your head, then what he can do is get in your head. But he can't make you do nothing. In order for you to do the works of the devil, you got to come in agreement with the devil. In order for you to do the works of the Holy Spirit, you got to come in agreement with the Spirit. In order for you to do anything, you got to come in agreement with something. The prophets, in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion, ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. How? Their false teachings. Their false predictions. I'm telling you, I was part of an apostolic prophetic church, and these individuals had circuits. They had circuits. I see some of them now. They've evolved. Some of these prophets who were false prophets back then, False teachers back then, now they're wearing prayer shawls. They done fooled the Christians long enough, now they're coming after the Messianics. They're mixing that stuff with this stuff, and they got a whole lot of mixture, and people who ain't solid in their word. Because I see some of my Messianic friends posting their stuff. I see it. I'm sitting and I'm watching all of these shenanigans going on, and say, I know how we are. The moment somebody gives you the impression that they may be thinking about the Sabbath, they use a Hebrew word, they say Shabbat Shalom, they got you. They want us. How? And then I'm noticing others who is talking about, you know, my family. And and, and this is the thing, I'm going to tell you, as an African American, as a black man in this country right now, One of the most deceptive means of ministry that is going out is this black Hebrew-Israelitism. Now, I know some folks have a problem with me saying that. I know it. But I'm telling you something, brothers and sisters, it's covert. So even when I hear a black person say brother, it's like, okay, what you talking about? Are you talking about another black person? Because now I'm seeing, you know, these are my brothers. See, and that's the whole idea of the black Hebrew-Israelite culture is that they're making all black people brothers now. Just because you black don't mean you're my brother. My brother is them that do the will of my father. And it doesn't matter what color you are. If you're doing his will, you my brother. So I've had to abandon this whole, yo, bro. It's like, you're not my bro. Yo, yo, man. How you doing? My brothers are those who do the will of my father. And so what do you see? You see a separation. But this separation causes you to make some divisions in your mind. It forces a change in your psyche. And that's where the real work is, brothers and sisters, which is what we're going to be talking about tomorrow. This whole idea of having our minds renewed, because all of us came into this walk with this this mind. And what some of us have done is we've just added to it. It ain't been renewed. We just added some stuff to it, incorporated some stuff in it. Listen, the mind of Messiah can't operate as long as you got your mind because you be double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable. When you start adding, you just become more double-minded because your old mind cancels out what your new mind learns. And unfortunately, your new mind don't cancel out your old mind. And if your new mind cancels out your old mind, what are you going to see? New behavior. Not this behavior today and that behavior tomorrow. There's a lot of canceling out because you got information that is opposed to the information you got. (laughs) This stuff got to go. And so he says, they have taken the treasures and precious things. They have made her many windows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law. And have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane, neither have they shown difference between the unclean and the clean, and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath. You know that most messianics, the only thing they consider concerning unclean is, 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 is the stuff they eat. There's a whole lot more uncleanness in the Bible than simply what you call food running around here defiling each other, defiling themselves, and not even realizing they're defiling themselves. I'm going to tell you something. The true priests of Jehovah are to teach the people as well as the prophets the difference between what is holy and what is profane, what is clean and what is unclean. If the priest is not doing that, if the prophets are not doing that, and this is why I'm going to tell you, just because a person prophesies, I don't believe a real prophet, a prophet sent from him. Now, there's a whole lot of prophets out there, but a prophet sent from him is going to call you back to his holy ways. A prophet sent by him is going to call you to the Sabbath. They're going to call you back to the commandments because every prophet in the Bible, every last one of them. Understand something. Father had Moses, and then he had Joshua. And then he had judges, and then he had kings, and then he had prophets. And what was the prophets? You read any prophet in the Bible, any prophet that is recognized as a prophet, and you'll find that those prophets were raised up because Israel had went off, and they were raised up to call Israel back. Yeshua came to call them back. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your ways. Change your minds. And then just as they killed the prophets before him, guess what? They kill all the prophets. Why? Because they don't want to do what the Almighty is calling us to do. Why would you kill the prophet if the prophet is sent by Jehovah? Why would the religious people kill the son of the Almighty that they claim to be serving? Because you got people who want to serve him with their understanding, serve him their way. And you got a whole lot of people like that. I've come to a point is the way you recognize those who are sent to you is they listen. Those who don't, you got them for a season. Teach them, talk to them, share with them whatever Father gives you. But you'll be able to recognize your disciples pretty quickly if you utilize the tools Yeshua utilized. He had a lot of disciples, only 11 he called apostles. Hundreds of them. It says, her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they shown difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves. The princes are the rulers. They're like what? Wolves. Yeshua's sending them amongst them. He's sending his disciples amongst the rulers. And I'm not talking about the rulers in the halls of Congress. I'm talking about the rulers in the streets of Jerusalem, the synagogue leaders, the teachers, the rabbis, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls. Yeshua says, listen, these guys, they sit in Moses' seat. These guys, they stand at the door. They won't go in, and yet they forbid anybody from going, like, guard the door to keep folks from coming in. It's like, who do that? And why do they do it? To get dishonest gain. Listen, most preachers, when they see a head, they see tithe. Most preachers, when they see a family, they see money. This is why they want to gain as many of people as they can and really not offend anybody. This is one of the reasons that causes the itching ear. And all they want to talk about is the love of Jesus. Jesus loves you. He loved you. And that's true. He loves the sinner. He don't love the sin. That's true too. But he also says, listen, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. If you don't want dead people on your hand, you got to teach people about sin and avoiding it. Just like Yeshua said to the woman, let me tell you something. When that woman got caught in adultery, Yeshua didn't come to her aid. I know people teach he came to her. No, he didn't. They brought him to Yeshua. They brought that woman to Yeshua. Yeshua was minding his own business. He didn't find her. They brought her to him. Did he condone what she didn't know? What did he say? You who are without sin cast the first stone. Did he say she didn't deserve to die? No. He's saying y'all brought her. Y'all done judged her. Now you want to pull me in on your shenanigans, but I ain't coming into your shenanigans. I'm not going to let you trap me up like that. Y'all deal with it. Kill her. But you who is without sin cast the first stone. So what did he identify? Their sin. Her sin. And then when they left, what did he tell her? Go and sin no more. You mean she could go and sin no more? Not according to the church, because they're sinners and that's what they do. We're supposed to live a life that is sinless. You will never live a life that is sinless if you don't understand what sin is. And once you understand sin is not some created factor by the church, the Bible clearly identifies sin as a violation of the law. So if you reject the law, that puts you in a perpetual state of sin. If you're against the law, yeah, you're a sinner. And the wages of sin is death. Why? Because sin entered in through disobedience and death came with it. And the last enemy is sin. Death. And who brought it in? The devil. And what is the devil called? The lawless one. Who's lawless? Those who don't believe they got to keep the law. They're lawless. So, what is the church teaching? It's teaching people to be lawless. And when they teach them to be lawless, not having to keep the law, then they're aligning them up with the lawless one, which is how the devil is controlling the church. I'm not trying to connect with the church. And I'm certainly not trying to connect to Judaism. The whole goal of Yeshua coming and saying, you don't need to be connecting to any of that stuff. Here is the word, and it's this word, not the rabbis' words, not the Pharisees' words, not the Sadducees' words, not their cultures, not their traditions, that will set you free. So if the rabbis, the priests, the pastors aren't preaching what Yeshua preached and doing what Yeshua did, they're putting you in bondage. They're not setting you free. And you should be able to judge that stuff. But the only way you're gonna properly judge it is you know it. So what are they trying why are they doing that? Dishonest game. They see you as tithe, you know, as as part of the church. This is one of the reasons why I refuse to go down some of these roads as far as pledges and going to the bank to borrow money to build the house of God, coming in debt with sinners. Bible says debt makes you a slave. Every church with a mortgage is a slave to the heathen. But if that's what you believe, that's what you'll do, right? And so when Father gave us the resources to buy, we don't owe nobody nothing. Can't nobody come in here and tell us, listen, you got 30 days. You better get up out of here. Man, I remember when we was renting, you know, sharing facilities with Sunday people. And all that ungodly stuff they were bringing. You know, we in a building where people are having funerals, dead bodies, pork and shellfish on Sundays, potlucks. Just a lot of nastiness, and I couldn't wait to get up out of there. But this is what a lot of folks are doing today: sharing, and then going in the hotel rooms, calling it the house of the Lord. Welcome to the house of the Lord. It's a hotel room, dude. It wasn't the house of the Lord before you set up, and all this ideologies and conversations. You see, it's like I'm finding that the Almighty is drilling way down. As a matter of fact. I've been struggling. You notice that I haven't said hallelujah today. I'll say it. But what am I saying? I'm speaking to you. Father is changing my prayer language. I don't pray using hallelujah in my prayers. Because if it's just me, who am I talking to? Praise the Lord. Who? Me. Well, why don't I just say, Father, I praise you. Well, I got to say hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who am I talking to? Because when you look at it, what it does is it's something that is saying for you to praise him. Y'all will get that next week. But he's showing me, see, if you're going to come in here talking to me, talk to me. Don't come in here with your religious tradition. Father, I praise you. I give you praise. I give you praise, Jehovah. You are my Elohim. It's you I believe and put my trust but, man, you go in and you got to be, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's what we've been trained to do. I'm not mocking it. I'm just saying, look it up. Look it up for yourself. And this is the stuff that we got to do. Look up stuff for ourselves so at least we know what we're doing. And we know when we're operating out of stuff that we've been taught that may not necessarily be an alignment with the truth of his word. And so even in the little nuances of communing with him and communicating with him, he's teaching me how to come into his presence and how to make that connection with him, not bring my religious ideology into my presence with him and mix it with my praise with him. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. Man, I watch these guys, they come in a circuit. We're part of that prophetic ministry. And they raise big money. They raise a lot of money. Got a lot of my money because that's what I believed. I believed that. And I had no problem with it. And when I found out the truth, I got mad. And Father said, No, you sold because that's what you believed. Don't abandon your seed, don't allow other people's deception to cause harm and hurt, to where now you just throw all the stuff. When you gave, was not I involved in it? Did you not hear from me? Did you get in that line without me saying it's okay for you to get in? See, Father will put us in places and teach us and train us some stuff just so we know how easy it is to be deceived. It's easy to be deceived unless you know the truth. Because see, once you learn the truth, deception can't just knock and you open the door and it come in and take a seat. No, deception, I see you. You have no right here. You have no place. Get behind. No, don't get behind me because that means you'll be in the house. Get away. And I'm sitting and I'm watching and it's like, you know what? I know why there's so much deception because we've been trained in deception. We've been taught in deception. And then we turn around and deceive ourselves when we buy the deception, apply the deception, walk in the deception, and then perpetuate the deception. Like now, hallelujah is the highest praise. Where is that at in the Bible? Hallelujah is the highest praise. Really? Where is that at? I know some of you done said it. I done said it a lot. So people are putting stuff in us and it sounds good. And if it's been happening for a long, long time and folks are going along with it, especially people that you consider to be reasonably sound-minded people, then it's easy to just go along with it. The people of the land have used oppression and exercise robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy, yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. And then the question is, what does it mean to be wise as a serpent, but harmless as doves? See, the amplifier puts it this way, behold, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Be wary and wise as serpents, and be innocent, harmless, guileless, and without falsity as doves. And then when you look up the word wise in this context, it means be intelligent, mindful of one's interest prudent where is your intelligence going to come from your church or from his word you may think it's the same but it's not a lot of preachers are preaching what they've been preached what they've been taught i know this i saw it i did it because when you're part of an organization a denomination you want to stay within the confines of that denomination lest you go against the the grain and once you start going against the grain They start showing you the exit. I've been in places where people, they were on the payroll. It was a job, a nine to five. They came in, did their job. I had elders who didn't like preaching. Not in our ministry, in ministries that I was a part of. I love teaching and preaching. But I had elders who didn't like preaching and teaching. They just wanted to oversee. Elders are supposed to teach, supposed to preach. But you got people, brothers and sisters, who are doing things because that's what they've been employed to do or that's what they've been called or hired to do. And all callings don't come from Jehovah. Sometimes people get calls from the pastor, especially these ministry leaders, these music leaders. You know, as most music leaders, most praise and worship leaders who are paid are hired. Hired people are hirelings see if you got a job you're a hireling it's not a bad thing you're not gonna die for that job are you that job you go to (laughs) you're not gonna take a bullet for your supervisor it's a job and for many people ministry is a job they're gonna retire one day and collect the pension and now they can tell you how they really feel harmless as doves The first word there is just jumped out at me, unmixed. Unmixed, what do you mean, harmless? In other words, what is he saying? Don't mix, be pure as in wines or metals of the mind without a mixture of evil, free from God, innocent, simple. What would they be mixing it with? Mixing it with their own thinking? Mixing it with the stuff that they've been taught before Messiah? Mixing it with the stuff they learned in the synagogue The sermons they heard in the temple, courts. No, don't mix what I'm giving you, that's what you go out and say. What I'm teaching you, that's what you go out and preach. Whatsoever things that I have taught you, that's what you teach. That's the commission. Don't go out there and create your own doctrine. Don't mix what I'm teaching you with something else. Don't do that. And this is what is happening, a whole lot of mixing going on. The leaders were as wolves, and wolves metaphorically in sheep's clothing. They were the religious leaders who claimed authority in and over the lives of the Hebrew Jewish people who have the law, not living according to the law, and holding men in bondage to their laws while ignoring the laws of Jehovah. That is the way it was in Yeshua's day, and that is the way it is now. Religious leaders and politicians claim, that's a misspell, claim authority over the lives of people. They claim you. You know how I know they claimed us? I remember when I was part of this one church, actually I left another ministry and they had a building fund. The building wasn't paid for, but they had a building fund to raise money to pay for the building. Who they paid? The bank. And here's where I began to learn how, why, when it came down. Now you think about this. You think about this. When you go to the bank to borrow money, They want to know everything, including your great-great-great-grandmama's name. They want all the information. They want to see your taxes. They want to see your W-2s. They want to see your income. They want to see your bank statements, your bank account. They want to see what what your monthly income is, where you derive your income. Now, imagine a church leader going to the bank to borrow money for the building. Guess what information they got? Well, Doc, we got 5,000 people, and we anticipate from our budget that this 5,000 people is going to bring us, you know, several hundred thousand dollars over the course of this year. And therefore, this is how we can pay you, because based on the income to, to debt ratio, they determine how much money they can lend you and at what interest rate. So what is the leaders taking? They're taking your tithe records. Well, wait a minute. Isn't that between you and the Almighty? Yeah, you and the Almighty in the bank. So that, you know, a lot of that, you know, yes, come as you are. Come as you are. Come as you are. Y'all go get some folks. Come on, come on. We're building. We're taking this city. That's what you're doing. All right? You're taking the city and putting people in bondage. Yeshua sure came to set us free from all of that. Is that wrong, what they're doing? It all depends on how you look at it, because borrowing money is not wrong. It's not wrong to borrow. In fact, the Bible says that those of us who keep his commands, we shall be lenders and not borrowers. We shall be lenders and not borrowers. But even among us, he says that if somebody comes to borrow, don't refuse to lend. The poor you will have. There'll be people who will mismanage or or not utilize the resources that have been given to them because remember, all the children of Israel came out. They were all on equal footing. There was no poor among them. Somehow over the course of time, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, people not implying, people not taking and putting into practice the things the father gave them to put into practice. Next thing you know, they not only became poor, but they start selling themselves out to other people and selling out their sons and their daughters. That was not father's intent. But this is what happens when people mismanage, misappropriate. Most of us don't have the mindset of being debt-free. We pray about it. We prophesy about it. We hear sermons about it. But in order to be debt-free, do you know that you cannot be debt-free with your current way of thinking? To be debt-free, you got to have a change of mind about what it means to be debt-free, how to become debt-free, and how to stay debt-free once you become debt-free. It's going to take a way of thinking that is different than the way you think right now if you're in debt. And see, this is kingdom. This is kingdom mind because the, the borrower becomes what a slave and I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm not coming after you. All I'm saying is that there needs to be a renewing of the mind. If we're going to walk in the kingdom mindset, we have to start thinking different and then teach our children or they'll become just like us on steroids. Literally. So, That's the way it was. Men make laws. Politicians are lawmakers. No matter how closely related the laws of men are, even if they are based on the Torah, the laws of men are not Torah. The law is not Torah, the law of Jehovah's. And here's what I mean by that. I've seen leaders, ministries, messianic leaders who want to convince us that the Constitution of the United States came from the Torah. Really? Well, why didn't you just take the Torah? I mean, it, was, it, it didn't need to be edited. It was perfect. Why well, you got to take stuff from the Torah to make a law? To make a set of laws? Just take the laws. Hello? Now, that sounds good to people who, you know, like to be Americans and patriots. But the Constitution is Torah-based. So it's faith-based organizations like Goodwill. It's faith-based. There's a lot of faith-based organizations out there. And and some of them are supporting stuff you wouldn't dare support. Am I messing with y'all too much today? Oh, y'all, just wait. (laughs) (laughs) But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Now, wait a minute here. You'll be brought before them, before governors and kings, for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Now, isn't he sending them among his own people? How are they going to be a testimony to the Gentiles? So this is either futuristic or you're dealing with Gentiles in the midst of it. And how do you know you're dealing with Gentiles? Because one, Rome is running things. The king... Is from the Edomites. They're not even part of Israel. He's sending them to Israel. Herod was from Idumea. His ancestry was Edom, Esau. And so you got Gentiles in the land who's running things. And what is he saying? The stuff I'm sending you and encouraging you and telling you to go and preach is gonna be a testimony even to the Gentiles, to the kings. To the governors, Yeshua strongly had the Gentiles in mind when he's sending them out. But he told them, don't go amongst them. Why? Because when the truth goes out, it's going to reach all those places. Because if you do it the way I'm telling you to do it, what are you going to do? You're going to make disciples. And your disciples are going to make disciples. And their disciples are going to make disciples. And everybody is going to be discipled according to the word. Now, don't mix it. Don't add to it. Don't take away. Teach what I'm teaching you. Do what I'm doing. Y'all seen me do it. You heard me teach. So you know what I'm teaching and you know what I'm doing. And this is what I want you to go forth and do. Look at where we are now. The gospel of the church, the Western gospel, the American gospel has reached every continent, every country with all of its different forms and denominations. And yet the population of those who have faith in Messiah is less than the world population. It's less believers than there are heathens in the world today. And many of those believers aren't believers like us. We're probably .00001% when you think about it in the scheme of things. Gentiles here is the word ethnos, and if you look at the usage below, it could be nation, it could be people, it could be Gentiles. How many of you know Abraham was a Gentile? He wasn't Jewish. Isaac, Jacob. Now, he was Hebrew, but the Hebrews were Gentiles as it relates to it because Abraham didn't know Jehovah. He didn't. Moses wasn't Jewish. Moses was a Levite. He didn't come from Judah, nor did the priests. The high priest wasn't Jewish. He was of the tribe of Levi. Now, I know today everybody want to mix things because that's what the King James, that's what the New Testament did. The New Testament created two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. That's it. And so New Testament-minded people identify themselves as Gentiles so they don't have to do Jewish stuff. The Torah wasn't given to Jews. It was given to Israel, all of Israel, to be a light to the nations, Father says, I'm giving you this book, but I'm going to exalt you with these laws above all the nations of the world so that they would see you and desire to be like you. You mean they're going to desire to keep these laws? Yeah. Why? Because these laws are going to prosper you. These laws are going to protect you. I'm going to be your rear guard. I'm going to be your high tower. I'm going to be your fortress. I'm going to be the one who fights your battles. I'm going to be the one who provides for you. I'm going to be the one who heals you of all your sicknesses, all your diseases. I'm going to do some miraculous stuff in the midst of you that the nations are going to be envious. And now the nations don't want nothing to do with the law. Why? Because Israel profaned the name of Jehovah in front of the whole world. And now the world believes Israel is cursed, not blessed. That's unfortunate. Only a handful of folks, you may think Israel is blessed, but you're you're part of a minority. Messianics and Hebrew people and some of the people in the church have come to the grips, but many of the Christian Zionists, they see Israel coming in after the rapture, not before. I mean, when you understand the theology that is being preached and taught around the world, you'll see stuff that is troubling. Even the church tells you that the laws is for the Jewish people. They're not for us. We got a different Sabbath. You you see that? I told you the other day I posted on this one church site. I did. And I went back and they deleted it. I knew they would. Because i do the same thing if somebody posted something like that that was against what I teach. I ain't mad at them. I just knew they would do it, so i double back on it. And they'd done just what I thought they would do. And then I left them another note. You can delete this, but you can't delete truth. I ain't arguing with you. I ain't fighting with you. I'm just telling you, listen. So what do I do? The disciples were sent to the lost sheep of Israel. They would be brought before governors and kings and as a testimony against them and the Gentiles. The governors, kings, and Gentiles will not have excuses because the gospel of the kingdom was preached in the midst of them all governors, kings, and Gentiles, in churches, preachers, pastors, teachers. That's why you can't be leaving your church and, you know, you got folks who are leaving the church. Just disappear. Don't disappear. I encourage everybody see, if you leave like that and come here, You'll leave here just like you left there. If, if you're going to leave, tell them. Tell them why you're leaving. As a minister, I would want to know. I'm not going to try to talk you out of it because anybody who want to leave here don't belong here. That's the way I see it. I want you to be where you're supposed to be. And if this is not the place, then you need to be where you Because let me tell you something. If you ain't supposed to be here, you're a problem. You're a headache to me. You're going to show up we to fight and argue. we to do stuff that we do the vision every week. How does that fit in the vision? Well, I don't know, but I think I'm not interested in what you think. What is he saying? If he's speaking to you, telling you to do something, showing you to do something, then I'm all ears. But I'm not going to let you try to make us like them, the people you left, because if you try to make us like the people you left, what's going to happen when we become like them? Are you gonna go and try to make somebody else like that? No, bro, it ain't like that. It ain't going down like that. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Yeshua was rough, folks. Moses was rough, but Joshua was rougher. See Moses messed around and, and started having more feelings for the people than he did for the one who called him, and as a result, couldn't even enter into the land. He spent a great deal of his life. Trying to bring people to. It's like, really? You spent all that work to take them into the promised land, and ultimately you failed. Now, you can say it like you want to. But the fact is that, and Father had enough love for Moses to say, you know what, I'm not going to do you like that. I'm going to at least let you see where you're not going. Now, I showed you where you're being, but I want you to see where you're not going. So the Gentiles are either Hebrews or Jews who are Israel, but have lost their identity or acting and living as Gentiles, doing and eating and behaving as Gentiles. 19 verse. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. So the disciples were sent out, not out, out totally reliant on the Holy Spirit of Jehovah our Father. Made available to them by the authority given them by Yeshua. I told you, Yeshua sent them out to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, preach the, the gospel, and they didn't have the Holy Spirit. They had the authority that they'd been given. He says in verse 24, it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father. He didn't say, My Spirit is going to speak. He said, The Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. In other words, when you go, You don't have to write out a plan. Just be in tune. Listen. Be connected to him. Because your answer will come directly from him. And that requires a level of faith and connection, brothers and sisters. And so what do we see Yeshua doing? By bringing the message of Jehovah to the people, Yeshua was connecting the people to Jehovah. Why? Because he knew he was leaving. He knew he only had a short period of time. And he knew that they were going to be sent out. So he had a short period of time to to help them make that connection. And that's what every minister should be doing, helping people make that connection. That's the real work. And brothers shall deliver up the brother to death and the father to the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. Now, Yeshua is saying that, but what is he actually saying? Because remember, he's not just making stuff up. The Israelites will turn on the followers of Yeshua, presuming they are encouraging people to follow another God, namely Yeshua. This is in accordance to their understanding of the law, whereas if anyone tell you to come, let us go and serve other gods. And this is what is written in Deuteronomy 13:6. if thy brother, the son of thy mother or thy son or thy daughter or the wife of thy bosom or thy friend, which is as thine own soul entice thee secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods, which thou hast not known thou nor thy fathers, namely of the gods of the people which are around you about, nigh unto thee, all from thee, from the one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth, thou shalt not consent unto him, nor hearken unto him, neither shall thy eye pity him, neither shalt thou spare him, neither shalt thou conceal him, but thou shalt surely kill him. Thine hand shall be the first upon him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So what is he saying? If your mama tell you to go serve other gods, you, you bring them in front of the people. If your daddy, if your wife, if your husband, if your son, if your daughter, if your neighbor, whoever it is. And so the people felt that through this Yeshua, who's coming teaching people against Moses or teaching people against the law as they accused him of, then they had every right to kill him and to kill his followers according to their understanding of the law, because they accuse Yeshua of bringing in another God. That's what they did. And thou shalt stone him with stones, that he die, because he assaulted to thrust thee away from Jehovah your Elohim, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, from the house of bondage. And all Israel shall hear in fear, and shall do more, do no more any such wickedness as this is among you. See, the Jews accused Yeshua of claiming to be equal to God and therefore those who followed him would be led away from the one true Elohim even though they had already been led away from Jehovah by the Jewish traditions. John chapter 5, 18. I'm going to speed this up or I'm going to stop here in a minute. Either way, because we're going to still cover some more ground next week. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath according to their rules, not according to Jehovah's rules, but according to their rules but said also that God was his father, making himself what? Equal with God. Paul, after his conversion, had no issue with Yeshua in that manner because he wrote in Philippians 2.6, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Yeshua had also told them later, these things have I spoken to you that you should not be offended. And I'm saying this to us. They shall put you out of the synagogue. They'll put you out the churches. Yea, the time will come that whosoever killeth you would think that he's doing father a service. They think by opposing you and stopping you and coming against you, they're doing father a service because you're bringing in a, well, actually, no, you're not bringing in something. You're trying to go back to something. Well, you know, I think that's called repentance. You're trying to go back to what? The truth. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the father nor me. Who is he talking about? These people who are teaching about the father. They don't know him. This is what he's saying. They don't know him because if they knew him, they would recognize me. And can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? The church don't know him either. Why? Because he is the word made flesh. What word? What word? There was no New Testament. When John spoke those words, he said he, was, he is the word made flesh. There was no Matthew, there was no Mark, there was no Luke, no John, no Paul. What word? The word that came out of Father's mouth, the Torah. And we the one who fall from grace. Now, brothers and sisters, we've returned to it. Matthew ten twenty two, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end. This is not an event, brothers and sisters. This is a journey. And that word, but when they persecute you in this city, flee you to another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel to the Son of Man become. That word, saved to save, keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction. This is the way it was in the Old Testament. New Testament people have now connected salvation to going to heaven. No, salvation is to be protected, salvation is to be guarded, salvation is to be made whole. Salvation is to be healed. Salvation is to be delivered from destruction. To save, usage, make whole, heal, be whole. That's the word. But folks have associated it to the good old by and by. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his lord, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Yeshua's saying, listen, if they call me the devil, what do you think they're gonna call you? Basically what they're doing is they're operating in a mindset that is the same way they're gonna look at you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You can find more inspirational teachings and download our free eBooks on our ministry website at arthurbaileyministries.com. Please follow us on Facebook at House of Israel-Arthur Bailey Ministries, on Instagram at Apostle Arthur Bailey, on Twitter at Apostle Bailey, and you can subscribe to our YouTube page at Bailey. one If you're in the Charlotte area, please come and fellowship with us. We'll do our best to make you feel right at home. Our address is on our website at the About link under Contact Us. Again, thank you for joining us, and until next time, shalom saints.